0: Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broad Eye podcast. My name is Sean Maloney and I'm here today with my good friend and co-host, Dr. Bruno Fernandez. Bruno, welcome.
1: How's it going, Sean? Glad to be here again with you. There
0: you go. This is becoming a this is becoming an everyday thing. Um, okay. Every 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 episode, you're there. So, um, so today we have um, a very special guest. He, his name is Brad Folkins. He's the CEO of Tap, Tap C. So, Brad, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. Yeah, great to be here.
0: Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. So, I was hoping we could kick things off with just discussing a little bit about the genesis of the app, TapTapC, where did the idea to build the app come from?
2: Yeah, you know, in in late 2012, um, we were taking a look at various technologies to do visual search. And the idea at the time was to be kind of like Google for the physical world, where we could create an app and allow people to search just by taking a picture of of, uh, what they wanted to look for. Um, and as we were building out our image recognition platform, we started seeing that there might be uh, a demand and uh, an interest and, and we might be able to help the blind and visually impaired community. Um, and so as we started kind of playing around with the idea, we came out with a, an early version, an early prototype version of TapTap C in late 2012. Um, and then in early 2013, we started getting a lot of feedback um, from the Braille Institute. Um, and uh, various users there, and then the American Foundation for the Blind, and, and it really just kind of grew from there. I mean, we, we um, you know, we were, we were excited to kind of offer this technology to the community, um, and, you know, we went through a, a bunch of different iterations to try to make the app as, as easy as possible to use. Um, and, uh, you know, and so really it kind of, it was birthed out of this idea of visual search at first, and then just kind of morphed uh, from there.
1: And uh, for, for a non-tech person, like how exactly does that work? Because it, it does look like magic. Like we, we, we take a picture and it's very descriptive, like what it, uh, the, the, the feedback that the app gives us.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, early on uh, in 2012, we did a survey of a lot of different types of image recognition technology that was available. And one of the things we realized early on was that uh, there, there weren't any good technologies that were able to understand um, the world around us in a, in a very general sense, you know? So I mean, there's a lot of different types of image recognition technologies, but there's not a whole lot of uh, visual understanding or, or image cognition where um, it's a little different, you know, in... 11.07 in AM. ...to recognize bits and pieces uh, of an image. Um, But the idea of understanding is it's kind of synonymous with uh, how Siri evolved, how voice recognition evolved uh, over the years. You know, we were used to, um, you know, using different types of voice recognition products, whether that, you know, calling somebody up on on one of those AVRs on the telephone and it would, you know, ask you a question, you know, say help. Um, And it was... It was always very difficult for voice recognition to understand what we were saying until this idea of voice understanding and virtual assistants um, like Siri came about, where for the first time this idea of understanding started to take shape uh, for voice. You know, it was a long process for that to actually finally happen, though. I mean, it took you know several decades for that to happen. And we've been seeing this kind of evolution in image recognition as well. Um, you know, for a very long time, computer vision would only recognize bits and pieces of what, you know, we were showing it in terms of imagery. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until, you know, we, we like to kind of take credit for this as we started looking at a lot of different ways of bridging that gap between image recognition and image understanding. And one of the things that we, we recognized early on was that while a lot of different image recognition technologies could recognize bits and pieces of what uh, the the computer was looking at essentially, um, it had a very hard time gaining that that deeper understanding. And so we built a system um, which later was coined hybrid intelligence, which essentially allowed us to, if image recognition didn't get a a good enough uh, understanding of what that particular object or scenery had inside of it, then we would send it off to humans in real time who would then be able to annotate those images and train the computer vision to help it continuously learn? Um, and so early on, you know, we we had a, a reasonably large percentage of images that were going to humans for correction, um, but then over time, the computer vision began to catch on, you know, learn essentially in real time, um, and then finally. Uh, it got to the point where computer vision was good enough to be handling, you know, 99.9% of these images, um, which, you know, then we we started moving more towards uh, the computer vision uh, exclusively. Um, and so what's interesting now is, is even in the computer vision and the AI side, the AI has evolved from, you know, being able to identify something as, say, um, you know, a brown sofa, to now it identifies it as something like, you know, brown leather, three-seat sectional, something so far. And so it's, it's really kind of evolved in terms of the, the amount of descriptive quality that it can generate, uh, about, a, a you know, a particular scene or, or, object inside of an image.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that has always been my, my, uh, one of my questions, right. Cause there is some element of very low tech, like in the development of, of this technology, right. Cause and time consuming as well, like particularly in the beginning,
2: screened
1: in until you train like the 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 software isn't it
2: yeah it it is i mean it's you know one of the most important things with ai is the training data uh and you know i i think that there's a lot of focus or at least there has been a lot of focus put on um the you know the, the ai architecture the neural network models um that the data scientists develop which i think is is you know obviously extremely important but there's this Unusual effectiveness of having fantastic data. And so, um, you know, we, we kind of realized early on that the data was going to be extraordinarily important in order to be able to train these neural network models. And, you know, we've, we've developed highly custom uh, neural network models that, that we think um, are state of the art in the way that they're able to really kind of um, understand what they're looking at. But I think that has a big part of it. But you know, obviously, you know, collecting the data has been a huge piece of that too. To date, we've collected about 750 million records of ground truth. Um, that's about 4,000 times the size of the uh, uh, the, the COCO dataset, the MS COCO dataset, which is is also widely used for training computer vision with these types of tasks. Um, and then the other piece that I think really kind of makes a uh, gigantic difference is in uh, in developing this model. Um, instead of creating a you know, like a catalog of items that, that the neural network could recognize, that the AI could recognize, we instead design it a little bit more like humans do. Um, you know, how humans identify things where we have, instead of a finite catalog of items that we can understand as humans, we have a finite number of words that we use, a finite vocabulary, but then we mix and match those words in an infinite amount of ways in order to describe what we're looking at. And that way, you know, if we don't know exactly what a particular item is, we can still come up with enough uh, language to to describe it and communicate it to another human. Um, And that way that human can kind of form a a picture of what that is in their imagination. And then we've essentially communicated that idea. Um, And so, you know, the, the network that we've developed is designed with that in mind. It's designed to really kind of develop this deep understanding of what it's looking at and then describe it back to the user.
0: So I think that's okay. That's very 11, interesting. And so Bruno, this is going to cue you up here, right? Because everybody's listening to this and hearing Bruno's uh, voiceover in the background. So um, Bruno is going to do a little, a little demonstration for us about how the app actually works. Um, we'll see if he's going to f- can, f- can fumble through it because he's not a 11, regular voiceover user. I would use <laughs> it more often than he does. But he's <laughs> going to uh, he's going to he's going to see if we can t- pull off a live demo here. So Bruno, I'll let you take that away.
1: Yeah, I it's very humbling to to start using this voiceover, which I'm doing for the first time. Uh, you know, like it, it kind of like brings it back to the AM. oh, here it comes <laughs> uh, uh, to the podcast we had with Randy Pierce recently, right? Which he said that like sometimes a disability like makes you develop new abilities, you know. And then uh, uh, I mean, managing voiceover is definitely an ability that I lack. <laughs> but here we go. I, I think I I had I, I managed like to do it. Let me. All right, here we go.
0: Toolbar. Repeat. Button. So I'm going to say the last picture again. Repeating. A... Picture three is orange car toy on brown wooden table.
1: So there it goes. Could you guys listen it?
0: Hear it? Yeah, I hear that just just fine. My only question for you is why do you have a, an orange car on a brown wooden table? Uh man, I have kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there are toy cars everywhere. That was a pretty easy pick. Yeah. <laughs> no no uh, fair enough fair enough yeah Um, it's
1: it's super descriptive right so i'm gonna do another test here like i'm gonna get a uh like a a milk bottle for my daughter
0: button camera picture one in progress picture one is pink feeding bottle on brown wooden table
1: so there we go like i mean that was the thing that surprised me on the app when i started using it it doesn't only say like oh this is a bike or this is a chair like it it really gives uh as much context as as possible which i found pretty impressive
2: yeah yeah no it's it's definitely pretty amazing how it uh how it understands everything you know we we had this kind of experience this is kind of a one of these fun stories we had as as uh we were developing this technology um but we had we had showed it an image of these um or this this cowboy boot and the system identified it as a women's floral print leather cowboy boot. Well, it understood the, the gender type and the quantity and the fact that it was a boot pretty easily because, you know, there were a lot of boots in the, in the training set. Um, but the, the leather and the floral print, we couldn't quite understand, you know, how it identified that because it, we didn't have that kind of image in the training set at all. And what we found after, you know, we did a bit of digging and, and looking into it, what we found was that it figured out the, the leather texture from a lot of different sofas and other types of leather um, products that you know people had had taken pictures of and then it figured out the floral print from different types of, of fabric and textures from from dresses and, and that type of stuff from some of our retail clients um, through the cloud api and it was able to kind of put these concepts together and accurately identify and describe what it was looking at, and that's when we really kind of realized that you know, wow, this is pretty cool. This is this is this is developed this level of understanding that's far beyond, um, you know, what we had seen before in the computer vision industry.
0: Sorry, so okay, I have a a question that comes up to me now is, you have obviously put enormous resources, or you or the companies, put enormous resources into. Building this app and building, you know, the the image repository, and we touched a little bit on on um, how that was done. And and uh over time, how is this app offered for free to people like me? And like, how is that sustainable for the company? Or is there certain, you know, a revenue stream or future revenue streams for the company to keep everything rolling? Because it would just be terrible for this wonderful technology to. To disappear from 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 my phone and other people's phones, uh, so I'm just curious um, in terms of sustainability of the company.
2: Yeah, definitely, it's a and that's a great question. Um, we have played around with a couple of different models, uh, subscription models for TapTapC very early on, um, and uh, and we actually have some some pretty interesting things coming down the pipe for later this year. Um, but primarily, the the you know most of the development and funding and uh, the business model really surrounds. Cloud site as the as the parent company. One of the things we realized with our apps TapTapSee and CamFind um, was that you know it, it we reached about I think it were right around three million downloads. Um, when we got to that point, we started getting a lot of these you know kind of Fortune 500 companies contacting us and saying, Hey, you know, we want to use your image recognition. Um, and so we started getting the idea to. To create uh, an API where various companies could subscribe to the API and then send images to the API and get back responses for those images. Um, and so in that way, the, the platform itself is monetized, um, but the apps themselves uh, can't find is, is monetized through advertisements and TapTapC um, kind of you know, piggybacks uh, along that, that monetization model just by, you know, we like to offer it to the to the community um, as a as a free service. Uh,
1: so how is the, uh, where does the images come from? Do you, did do you, do you buy a database or is it all like I a mean, user provided?
2: Yeah, it's user provided. So as, as users, uh, you know, previously when we were still building up this training set, as users would take pictures, both with CampFind and also TapTapSee. Um, and then, you know, in, in partnership with some of our clients as well, um, the, the clients that are using the, the cloud site API, um, the system collects images and then we use that for training data. Um, so the, 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 the images have been submitted, you know, through users using the apps through other partners of ours um, that send us images. So it's been kind of a collection of, of all the images that cloud sites processed.
1: And is there any image that it's particularly hard to for the system to recognize? Because I mean, yeah, it's amazing, you know? Like I mean, it, it it gets pretty everything right. The only uh, uh, mistakes, you know, if you put it like that, was uh, between let's say men and women, boy and girl. You know, like I mean, sometimes uh, 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 it, the app didn't quite get it right. Is it is it a particular challenge, like for you, or is it any any other image that is uh, uh, difficult for the system to recognize?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it, there tend to be challenges with images that require a lot more discernible detail in the image to recognize. So, um, you know, we when we send the image to the server, we shrink it down quite a bit in terms of the image dimensions. So that reduces the amount of detail that's in the image. And so, you know, sometimes if you're particularly far away from a subject, um, it can't catch the little nuances that might help it identify, you know. Uh, man or woman or, you know, a particular type of outfit versus another type of outfit, um, you know, and and that type of thing. But we we have been slowly increasing that. Um, I know, I think it was about a year or two ago, we released an update um, that bumped the resolution almost double what it previously was. Um, And then we have some other kind of interesting things that we're working on with moving the neural network models to run directly on the phone instead of sending it off to the server. Um, which allows us to do a bunch of other exciting things uh, directly on the device instead of having to send those images off to the to the server to get recognized.
0: So, just you know, you gave us a little bit of an overview of the development of the app over time. I'm just wondering if you have any you know any stories that might be interesting to share about whether they be challenges that you particularly faced during that time. Uh, was there points in time where you thought, hey, this is never going to uh, materialize or, um, or just any highlights along that. I'm just curious if any stories of, of the development uh, process that you'd like to share.
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it was interesting. We, when we first started working on this project, um, we, we really didn't have a good perspective on, uh, how users would interact with the app, um, through voiceover and all these kind of assistive technologies. And it wasn't until we started working together with the Braille Institute when we really started getting a good handle on how users would actually interact with it. And that was really fascinating for us as far as a a product design perspective. Um, But then as as the the user base grew, we started getting a lot of really fantastic input from the users themselves, uh, which has been absolutely amazing. I mean, we've, we've heard, of some really, really cool stories from people that have, you know, gone to the grocery store for the first time unassisted, or have been able to share photos uh, with their friends and family and, and you know, use the, the system to recognize those photos. Um, there's, there's other users around the world that have been able to use it to, to learn English, you know, so they'll set the set the language output to something different and they'll learn English. Um, this is just a lot of different things that we've we've heard and understood uh, over the years from our users that have, have really been encouraging us as far as um, developing the technology because yeah you know to your point it has been challenging at times <laughs> to develop a technology like this we we've had points throughout our growth where we have thought like you know is this even possible can we do this and then we've had you know those kind of uh, breakthrough moments where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this works. <laughs> so it's it's been an exciting ride. I mean, there's there's been a lot of a lot of really uh, um, you know fun moments along the company's history where we've been able to, to achieve uh, new you know new state of the art achievements, and that's always been you know super exciting. And of course, um, the best part of all of it is really hearing from the users uh, and how much how much the app has really helped you know, improve their lives as far as the types of things they're able to do unassisted.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, do you, can you share with us, like, I mean, any, any future developments, like, of course, like, uh, uh, I understand that some things might be confidential, but like just an overall direction of the company or, or where do you want to take this technology, uh, to help people even further?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, yeah, and you know, to your point, there there are some things that we can't share yet on the product roadmap. But one thing we we've been working with um, uh, quite a bit actually, and, and quite closely with Apple on and off over the past couple of years, is getting the neural networks to run directly on device um, to the point where it can be sort of like a, a real time um, a real time uh, you know experience with the app. So you kind of turn on this this live recognition mode, and then you kind of walk around the house and. Identify things, you know, as as it as it uh, scans the room, um, and and this is something that we've been pretty excited about because it moves the neural network from it moves the AI from the server to the phone. Um, so you you know there's a there's an elimination of a whole bunch of requirements in that process. You know you don't have to have uh, you know good internet, internet service. Yeah, exactly. I mean it, it certainly helps with a variety of things. Um, by moving the processing to the phone. And so we're pretty excited about that. I mean, I, it, it's been a long time in coming and, and uh, we have it working in a, in a, in a prototype. Um, distributing these neural networks is another challenge though, because they are a, a bit larger. Um, the, the one in particular that runs on the server is about a half a gigabyte. So moving that to the phone has been you know, challenging. Um, and then Apple has has their own way of distributing these neural networks. Um, and so that's you know that's a process that we've been working with uh, to resolve some issues uh, in the in the Apple platform, um, but uh, but yeah I mean that's something we're really excited about is is getting this running directly on the phone um, with the users being able to uh, to to do this sort of live recognition.
1: So so that would be like a video right? Because right now it's actually a photo. So so if if we move the neural network to the phone, it would be basically a uh, 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 video recognition, almost like the, the person is actually seeing it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it kind of feels like that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's actually, um, it's a little bit different than video in that it's, it's you know, when we think of video, we think of action recognition. Um, so there's a, there's a touch of that, but it's really kind of, um, it, it's sort of like a live scanning. So it's kind of like right now, if you were to take, you know, a bunch of pictures, maybe one per second, um, that's how it. That's how it kind of works, and then um, when it stabilizes on a particular result, uh, then it it speaks back to the user, uh, you know what what it sees. And so you you kind of have a little bit of a different experience instead of having to tap the button um, when you find something. Or like right now, you hear the little focus lock beep, uh, and then it you know you know you know that the the image is in focus and you can take a picture. Um, this uh, this new version, you know, you kind of scan around the room and it, it speaks back to you when it when it seems like it's uh, got a lock on uh, what it's looking at.
1: And uh, so just a follow up question. there. Uh, how easy or hard would it be to offer it in other languages? We well,
2: you know it's interesting. We do actually offer it in other languages right now. Um, and in fact, if, if you have your phone set to a different language, then uh, it should output the response in that other language. Um, and then our other app, uh, CamFind, um, which is which is also uh, used by the blind and visually impaired community as well, um, you can change the output on that app uh, explicitly in the app to other languages. Um, and so it, it's interesting actually, TapTapC tends to focus on describing the entire scene, um, whereas CamFind focuses on a, a primary subject inside of you know, whatever you take a picture of. Um, so it's a slightly different type of image recognition technique that, that both of the apps are using. Um, and, uh, and, but yeah, you know, both of them, if you change the, uh, if you change the phone language to something else, it, it, uh, it, it tends to output in that other language.
0: This is a. This is a lot to digest in terms of, you know, it seems so it, 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 the user experience is so simple and straightforward, uh, but behind the scenes is obviously a lot more complex than that. And I think we've, uh, we've scratched the surface of that, which is certainly interesting for the audience. Um, Brad, I wanted to, to just take the opportunity to thank you for, for sharing this information. Again, not only um, is the audience getting a, an opportunity to see what's in Bruno's house <laughs> and on the you know, demo, demo in the app. But uh, just to understand that you know that whole genesis, uh, I think you said started back in 2012. Some of this and uh, an idea of what's coming, I think, is certainly certainly interesting. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to to speak with us today about the company.
2: Thanks again. Yeah, appreciate it. It's uh, it's great to be on the show. All
1: right. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Thank you for coming here. Thanking you. Thank you for what you do as well. It's uh, it's it's great.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate right. it.